0: Well, we're going to dive into uh, the rest of a message that I actually began last week. Uh, We're in our series on real life. Everybody say real life. life. And uh, last week, began to look at some things um, concerning convictions, convictions. And I'm trying a little gizmo here tonight. Uh, And we'll see how we do here. Are we on, guys? Pull us up here. okay Mm. Okay. hold on one second it's an experiment here tonight and it's not experimenting okay well we'll come back to a minute here we go my bad okay you ready for this Okay, now what I figure, okay. it, and what you do is you have a guy come down like this, and you have Tebow hit him right over the middle, uh, TD, yeah. Just saying. It could happen. Well, we want to talk about convictions tonight, uh, and that is that you are settled and centered on some very important things in your life. Everything has to do, and indulge me tonight, everything has to do with decisions. Is it, is it there? And directions. Decisions and directions. Everybody say decisions, decisions. and directions. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. And we won't let this get in the way. It's an experiment. See what see what will happen. But truly your life is decisions and directions. You've heard me say it, and you will hear me say it. That when you make wrong decisions and you head in wrong directions, you will incur damage. You will hurt yourself. You will hurt yourself spiritually, mentally, emotionally. You'll hurt your confidence. You'll hurt your relationships. You can hurt your future, your finances. You can hurt so many things by making wrong decisions and wrong directions. So why do we? make wrong decisions and go in wrong directions. A lot of it has to do with our convictions. We live in a world, a, a culture, a society, listen to me, that is without convictions. They operate on opinion. They operate on trends, fads. I mean, there's so many things that, that uh, preferences, peers, And maybe you've ever done something over your life because of your peers, peer pressure, friends, neighbors. Well, the neighbors bought one, so we're going to look bad if we come on. And then fears. We make some decisions based on fear, fear of man, uh, you know, a number of different things along those lines. And so we want to be very sure. Now I lost my gizmo deal. So there it is. Never mind, we're not going up there, back there, control room. Okay. Um, We make these decisions and we go in directions largely in the wrong direction because we have not settled some things. And listen to me, it is time that you get settled on some issues. It is time that you know where you stand on some things. It is time that you know why you believe what you believe. That you have reasons for this. And it's not just a passing kind of thing. It is something literally, you can't change my mind on this. It's just like two plus two is four. And somebody could argue with you all day about it. And you go, you know, fine, I hear you. And I know you believe what you believe. But this is it, that you wrestle with it and get it settled. You can't keep just flip-flopping, being tossed to and fro. Listen... It's only cute to run to third base when you hit the ball to run there first when you're like four. Okay. And so if, you know, Derek Jeter, or somebody gets up and hits the ball and then takes off towards third base, you know, that's not cute. You know, we have, you know, men's softball league or something. We got guys running to the wrong place. That's not cute. And, and. Nor is it really excusable And we've got people that should know better Let me just tell you We all should know better Than some of the decisions we make And some of the directions that we go And it largely has to do with convictions And so I want to dive in on on convictions tonight In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 in the message Bible It says you let the world Which doesn't know the first thing about living Do you hear that? You let the world that doesn't know the first thing about living tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. Listen, you cannot, your devotions should be from something other than People magazine. We're not getting all our info from Oprah. Uh, We've got to make sure where we're getting our information from. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But, you know, our bottom line, our rock is the word is the word of God. But you've got to settle what you believe, why you believe certain things. In Romans 14, verse 5, it says one person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. And if you read through Romans there, you'll see that they're discussing several examples of what is holy, what is clean, and so forth. And Paul, and we'll get to this verse later, says, you know, it's all lawful. It's all permissible. But you've got to get settled in your heart why you believe, why you do, you know, what you do. And let everyone be convinced. You need to be convinced. Not just go with the flow. You need to get Convinced. And in order for that to happen, we have to have a standard to come to. And again, that is the word of God. And we'll explore that a little bit further in a moment. We need to be a person of conviction. Everybody say, I am am. A a person of conviction. And when you're a person of conviction, you're going to be confident. You're going to be consistent. You'll live by principles and not by circumstances. And when you live by principle, when you have convictions, hear me on this, about 98% of your decisions are already made. You know, if you're at work and suddenly there's an opportunity to cheat or to lie on something, you know, a, a co-worker's trying to invite you into whatever or, hey, after work, we're going here to do whatever. You know, if you have your principles and your convictions all set, your decision's already made. I said your decision's already made. And, uh, you know, it's tax season coming up. It should not even be a temptation or an issue for you to try to hide something or change some numbers or whatever. I mean, come on. Well, I've saved a lot of money over the years. Yeah, and preclude the blessing of God. You know, manipulate a little something so you could do whatever. How feeble. You know, and we've got to get this settled on the inside of us. And when you live by principles, Bible-based principles and and uh, convictions, they are convictions to you. Not just an idea, not just something you agree with. It's a conviction to you. I'm telling you what, your life will change. And, and like I said, you'll be consistent, you'll be confident, you'll be joyful. And life will be a whole lot less cluttered because... Like I said, you'll probably have about 95, 98% of your decisions are already made for you. Amen. So take the time, make the effort, consider, examine, research, pray, counsel, search scripture, and wrestle it to the ground. You know, if you're not sure about something, go through this process and get it settled so that you know what you believe and, and why you believe it. In First uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. It says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. So if something is not illegal, if it's not immoral, if it's not unethical, and if it's not unscriptural, then you're free to do it. But just because you can do it does not mean that it's necessarily good. And you have freedom. You have liberty. I get real bothered by people that are so liberty-minded that they actually becomes an occasion for them to stumble and to cause other people to, scumble, to stumble. You know, we've got to be careful that we don't flirt with our liberty and place so close to the edge. Well, I'm free to do this. So close to the edge of something that really has a lot of other people bound. You're free, but you keep playing around the trap. I'm waiting for everybody to catch up. Okay. And uh, wow, Pastor's telling us the truth. That is my job. That's my job to give you the truth from Scripture because you come to know the truth, the truth will set you free. It might make you miserable first, but it will will set you free. Um, This boils down to really what we call our worldview. What is a worldview? It's how you view the world. And I did some extensive teaching on this within the last um, two years or so, and we called it filter. And I believe the archives are, are still there. I would encourage you to go back and look at this. But your worldview is the lens or the filter through which you see the world around you. That's how you get your take on what reality is. That's how you make sense of life. That's how you digest what you hear on the news and, and what goes on around you. That's how you set your priorities. That's how you set your, your, make your decisions is really through your world view. And so our world view then, we have an idea of things. And, and you need to get this. All ideas have consequences. So if you have bad ideas, you're going to have what kind of consequences? If you have good ideas, you're going to have good consequences. You've got to realize and see our, our culture, again, has made us not responsible for anything. Uh, you know, that's not my fault. i will sue you. You know, we have on any coffee cup that you would buy commercially, you know, from McDonald's, Starbucks, anywhere that you get coffee. There's writing on there. To warn you that the coffee, figure this one out, is hot. And if you spill it on you, it will burn you. How many of you didn't need the cup to tell you that? Okay, but this is how sad this gets is somebody gets burned and then sues. I was always taught you mess it up, you clean it up. You know, but we've got this non-responsibility type of culture. You know, that is, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. Well, listen, you cannot trans—you can't live that way to start with, and you can't transfer that and Im- and overlay and impose that on your Christian walk. You can't do that. We have some responsibility, and there's two ways to do anything: God's way, and any other way. Now. All worldviews are basically about questions. Questions about deity or about God, about origins, about human nature, about moral rules and so forth. And uh, let me go ahead and write write these up here for you real quick. We have two worldviews essentially. Oh, we're using colors now. Hold on. Am I up there? People put me up on the deal. There I am. Okay. We have... Theistic. And we have a. Theistic. Theistic has to do with God. So either God is in your worldview. Or you have a which takes away. You have just man and nature. In your worldview. And so it's important that we have God. In our worldview. Because guess who made the world and loved the world. God. Now. Now. Let's, let's look at some other things here. There's something also, and this is a huge concern. I would say it's almost like a flu or a virus that has hit the body of Christ, especially in our nation. And you saw those words there, theistic and atheistic. There's actually a very small percentage. You need to know this. There's a very small percentage of what we would call atheists. There's a very small, most people are theistic. It's just, you know, they do believe in God. They just, but they're not religious, but they're spiritual. And uh, so there is, there is totally hope. Listen to me. There's totally hope that if we live our lives right and we are salt and light and sugar and we do church right, people are open. People are hungry. But if you keep presenting things in old ways, just block ways and, and you know, ways that, that don't connect and don't show compassion and don't show reason with them. People, you know, they've seen that, heard that, done that, been there. And so there are actually percentage wise, not that many atheists, true atheists that I don't believe in God there's a lot of people that would tell you, I don't believe in church. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why is because of church. And that's why we're endeavoring with everything in us to do church right. Uh, this week, uh, three mornings this week, we're having staff renewal. We're getting together, uh, for times uh, those three mornings of this week, just as a staff, we're just seeking God. We're, renewing ourselves on some things of, you know, God, we want your, this is your church. We want you to do it your way in this church. And you need to do that with your life as well. So you have theistic and you have atheistic. And so if I were to ask in here, you know, are you an atheist? Oh, of course not. But here's the the flu, the virus, the the whatever that I think has hit the body of Christ. And it's what is referred to as practical atheism. So it is this, it's people that believe in God, but their decisions and their directions are as if there were no God. We don't ask God about anything. Come on, y'all with me? We believe in God totally. And if I ask you questions about him, do you love him? Yes. Do you believe his word is true? Yes. Do you believe prayer works? Absolutely. One time this happened and You know, go through all that. But on a day-to-day basis, people live as a practical atheist. They're not an atheist, but the way they live is their practical life is as if there weren't God. They don't consult with God. They don't check with God. They don't allow his word, his spirit, and so forth to, to have weight in their life. And so consequently, then we end up in kind of a mixed bag and we wonder why we don't have joy, why we don't have victory, why there's not blessing, why we end up in, the, in the, the whole corral with everybody else as far as why isn't God making a difference in my life? And again, it goes back to what we talked about at offering time. We're going to have to honor God. Amen. Now, a biblical worldview, guess what that's based on? Bible is viewing, follow this, it's viewing the world, viewing the beginning of the world, viewing the people of the world, the problems of the world, the governments of the world, the issues of the world, the solutions of the world, and the future of the world through God's word. Let's just stop on one of them. You you have a biblical world view. So everything dealing with, the world and not just the planet, okay? Not just the planet, but the world system. You have to view all of that. Again, governments, people, all, all those things. You have to view that through God's word. If you're with me, bob your head, do do something. Okay. And your biblical worldview would also help you see the beginning of the world. And so that would settle it for you as far as creation, evolution, or anything in between. Because at some point you step across a line and say, I believe, and you let the word of God be your foundation and be your rock. Now that does not mean that you just get a big Bible and set it on the coffee table in the middle of your room. Okay. You're going to have to get into it and you're going to have to get it into you. And I'm telling you what, it is alive. I said, it is alive. And you start to feed on the word of God. You will know the difference. I said, you will know the difference. And if you're here tonight and you're not sure about all of this, get a hold of a new Testament and just start reading it and just throw up a prayer, just toss up a prayer and say, God, if you're real, then show me something through your word, show me something through the Bible. And then you be consistent with that. Be be consistent a week, two weeks, just be consistent every day, get in and read some gospel. uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John follow Jesus around a little bit. And I promise you, something's going to start to happen on the inside of you. And then those of you that are seasoned veteran believers, what are you doing not getting into the word every day? You know, it is life to us. It is bread. It is water. It is, it is everything for us. And we must be in the word. Can I get an amen out of anybody here tonight? So our solutions, problems and solutions, then, if you have a biblical worldview, are, first of all, spiritual. Now, there is a practical end to things. You know, if a light bulb needs changed, you don't have to pray about it. And you don't have to rebuke some demon of whatever that took out your light bulb. How many of you know that light bulbs are not eternal? Okay. And and people just amaze me sometimes. They're so spiritual. They can't get anything done. And so you, but everything is first of all. Spiritual as far as real problems and solutions, I promise you if there's a problem in your marriage, it is first of all, there's a spiritual issue and if each of you will seek God on that, you know some good good things can happen there can can we go to my my screen real quick here? Watch this. red. Wait, watch this. Okay, so let's say that this is the wife, and this is the husband, and this is God. And our effort is to get closer together. Well, the best way for you to get closer together, just look at the triangle here. As you go up this way, you're going to get closer together. And if you'll press into God, listen, if you'll press into God, that's where our solutions are. And and problems in your marriage are first of all, I promise you, spiritual. Now there may be some real practical things like you know, quit hanging your underwear on the door and take out the trash, you know. <laughs> I can't help it, it's a demon. No, it's not. <laughs> But if you don't have a worldview, then you're going to try to solve problems. Listen to this, because this is relevant right now. If you don't have a biblical worldview, then here's how you'll try to solve problems. The government, the government will fix it for us. The government will help our children's misbehavior and and social ills and all those things. Give me a stinking break. Or intervention or education or technology or PR campaigns. And I'm for all of those things. But listen, you've got to have a biblical worldview. And you know that God, who is the first, the last, the alpha, the omega, the creator, the redeemer, the one who declares the end from the beginning, who I cannot even begin to fully articulate and explain because he transcends our thoughts and our ways. He's given us a view of himself. He continues to reveal himself to us. At some point, you've got to realize there is somebody bigger than you and I and that we trust him and that we don't try to. Well, we're going to think tank it and we're going to get the government on this and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Good luck. All those things have a place, but it is first of all spiritual and we must first of all go to God. And that is true of our convictions, because if you if you if your worldview is off, your convictions are off. And you will make wrong decisions, wrong directions. So real quickly, I want to pick up on something that I shared with you last week. Scripture, and there's just about five, six things real quick about convictions. First of all, Scripture, and I've, I've uh, pounded this enough tonight, Scripture must be your authority. It must be your authority. But don't be the general guy. Be the specific guy. Okay, get a word, don't you? Well, the Bible says a penny saved is a penny earned. That was Ben Franklin. Okay, I mean, get in and find out what the Bible says and and we'll help you in every way that we can. Secondly, you've got to let the Holy Spirit teach you and guide you and remind you and convict you and do not harden your heart and do not close your ears. Invite the Holy Spirit to Help me get settled on this issue. I'm waffling on this. Or I've got a lot of pressure from my friends on this. Or whatever. Help me to get settled on this. Or I've got something in my life I realize is not good for me. It doesn't belong in my life. But I don't have what it takes to get it out of there. Ask him to help you. And as he helps you, listen, you might be all excited about it one day. And the next day you might not be as excited about getting free. Don't harden your heart and don't resist him and don't close your ears and let the Holy Spirit. He will help you. When he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness. And so he'll show you and help you to to form those convictions. Thirdly, you've got to listen to your conscience. You've got to listen to your conscience. Your conscience is one of the pieces of equipment, communication equipment, that God has put on the inside of you. It is possible to sear your conscience. How many of you have ever burned your tongue with coffee or, or hot chocolate or, or something, okay? It is possible to do that. And if you do that every day, you know, then eventually you can, you know, you can be one of those flame swallower guys or something, you know, if, if you do that every day. Because you just sear it and you just callous it. And we've got to be careful that we don't, we don't do that to our conscience. But the, the Bible tells us that our conscience, God would use our conscience, even people that don't know God, he will use their conscience if it's still pliable, either to excuse them or to accuse them. We show them what's right and what's wrong. And so listen to your conscience. Uh, fourthly, do not impose your convictions on other people. Okay, if if now if there's a Bible thing and it's very clear, then we're we're real firm on this. But I know of a couple in ministry, well known in ministry. I was present for this discussion one time and somebody said to the wife of this couple, and, and you would know their names if I told them, but I'm I'm not going to do it right now. And it was a meal kind of thing. And the wife was eating some pie. And our mutual friend said to her, said, you're eating pie. And she goes, yeah, and it is good. And she said, but your husband... Uh, He's like no sugar at all. And she just kind of put her fork down. She goes, that's his conviction, not mine. Okay. And so whatever you think about this or this, you know, don't be careful that you don't just impose your conviction, especially on the, on the issues of liberty. Make sure that you just don't impose that. Well, I'm a vegetarian. Well, you know, I'm not. I'm mean, gonna eat some meat before the night is over, you know? <laughs> but um don't impose your convictions on others. And then here's the other thing. If you if you have an issue, uh a certain subject, and you have a conviction and you're you have liberty on that, okay? I mean there's there's some people in leadership across the land that say, I have liberty and I have I have clear conscience and conviction that I can do thus and so. And I just don't have the same conviction. And there are reasons for it. You know, part of his scripture, but part of it is I've wrestled some things to the ground as for me. And I'll talk about one of them in just a moment here. But they're free, you know, to do whatever. Make sure that if you have. Convictions of liberty that you don't cause other people to stumble. You know, the example that Paul gave is some people uh, would eat meat and others would not, and meat offered to idols and so forth. And Paul was saying it's, you know, that has no effect on it. It's clean, it's food. Pray over it, you're okay. But if other people have another conviction of that, he said, Paul said it would be better then that you lay aside your conviction so that in their presence you don't cause them to stumble. Okay? So let me go to one real quick here uh, alcohol. Don't anybody leave. I'm going to give you my conviction for Tim Gilligan who is a pastor. Now, well, we're free to drink. Okay, you be real careful though. And make sure you read the Bible on this. Uh Yeah, you are. But you are not free, according to scripture, to be drunk. You're not. So don't be putting all your pictures up of you being drunk on Facebook. And then quote your verse for the day. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? Yeah. Okay. Now, but you are, listen, you are, you're free, but I'm not, I'm not. And let me just go over. I made a little list of why I'm not because of my childhood. I had Christmases ruined. I had horrible things happen in my family. Because of alcohol, because of my limited personal encounters, I always got in trouble. And something always got messed up. Y'all with me? Uh, Because of Scripture. Actually, for a minister of the gospel, the Bible even says that your priests, if they were to drink... This is Old Testament, but carry away the principle. They were to be put to death because it skewed their judgment. Okay? Now, I'm not... That's Old Testament, but I'm taking the principle away. Read the Proverbs too. I'm just talking about me. And I'm talking about my call. I can in good conscience. I have conviction. I can't. If I was all by myself in the middle of the North Pole, And I came upon whatever I can't, I just can't because I have a conviction of this also because of 30 plus years of ministry and find that most of ministry is people repair. We've never had a family come in and say, our family is so much better now that we're drinking And it's not a house of condemnation, okay? I'm I'm giving you my conviction as a minister, as a leader, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then I've been a chaplain with the sheriff's office for about 14 years or so. And another reason why it's part of my conviction is because I've been to the emergency room. I've been up on I-75. I've been out on... Way out on Highway 40, I'm thinking of some times where I've seen some horrible things because of alcohol. I've been to houses where now the TV and clothes are thrown out in the yard and children are huddled in a corner. I've seen people that were good, law-abiding people that now are missing teeth and got a black eye and everything else because of alcohol. I've comforted families or tried to. That are now in the aftermath because of alcohol. I'm not condemning anybody, but I'm telling you what, I've searched, I've searched, I've searched, and I can't find a positive. I can't find one. Well, Pastor, don't impose your conviction on me. I'm not, but I'm the one with the microphone right now. And as a, listen, as a pastor, as a leader, It can't touch my lips. Well, has it ever? Yeah, and I already told you about that. And I'm not going into detail. (laughs) Are you free to drink? You're free. Am I free to get drunk? You are not. Not on Scripture. You're not. And if you are free, will you do this for me? If you are free, and you are, and if I see you in a restaurant, I'm not going to come up. I've had people hide pictures of beer under the... (laughs) No no joke, I told you this story before. I walked into a place, saw some people. How y'all doing? Good. And so I'm talking to them and all of a sudden the waitress comes up and goes, well, where'd your pitcher of beer go? It was under the table. Don't anybody get upset with me on this. Okay. I didn't make any of this all up and I'm going from scripture and I'm just talking about us as believers. Well, it's our family tradition. Fine. Just don't let drunk be part of your family tradition and make sure that you don't cause somebody else to stumble. Don't give a signal to our young people that this is okay. When it's not, don't you cause somebody else to stumble. I had a friend in high school who had yellow eyes instead of white eyes. By the time we graduated, because he was a full blown alcoholic by our, our, by our graduation day. He drank every day, lots every day. I went over to his house a couple of times, liquor everywhere. Mom and dad successful and rich, liquor everywhere. No love, no peace, no joy in that house And it ruled, and you know what? They told him by their life, this is okay to do. It was okay to do. Maybe I'm rambling right now, but this is the thing about this. You need to settle this. Settle it in yourself. Well, aren't I free? You are. You are free. Don't impose your conviction on somebody else. Don't get drunk. I'm just going to tell you don't get drunk. And don't. And when you get pulled over for DUI, don't be telling the officer, I'm free in (laughs) Jesus. Because they've already heard that one. And don't bring up my name, okay? (laughs) Don't bring up my name. All right. All right, you got just a minute more? You're like, I'm not sure. I just brought up a big one. And I know, I'm fully aware that's controversial in some. I know ministers. It's okay. And we're going to have cigar and beer tonight with the whole congregation. I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, don't walk in there. <laughs> and I know that's a controversial issue. I know that's a big, hot, social topic right now. And I brought it up on purpose. And so don't be hate me and don't leave the church over truth. I want you to take these issues and wrestle them to the ground. Don't just don't just say, well, it's okay because we've always done it. No, it's not. You've got to get it settled. Why do you do what you do? And there's a whole lot lesser issues, but you know what? Have some convictions about it. I've been to places as a minister with ministers. In Europe and other places, and it was offered to me, and it's like, nope. Just the same way as if they offered me okra. And I was just kind of, no, I don't eat okra. You with me? How do we do this real quick? Let me just give this to you: daily personal time with God, whatever the issue is. Daily personal quiet time with God, not me time. God time. Be consistent in your church attendance. Consistent in your church attendance. Make that a conviction. Don't be a floater. Get planted. Don't be a glory bug. We're going over here today. We're going over here. This church. Get planted. Be careful of your companions because good companions, excuse me, evil companions corrupt good character. Make sure... That who you're hanging out with and I'm not saying don't hang out with everybody but I'm saying be careful of their influence in your life be careful what you're listening to be careful what you're reading be careful what you're watching sounds old fashioned doesn't it it's actually eternal spend some time in reflection and introspection seek counsel and let your biography help shape your theology I started out when I talked about alcohol tonight first thing I told you because of my childhood and because of things I personally... My biography helps to shape my theology. And so I have some real reasons, you know, some real reasons on those things. My bottom line, and, you know, really we could spend weeks on this. My bottom line is this. Let the Word of God be the standard for your life. Let it be the standard. And all the other issues, be they traditional or family or friends or whatever it is, you better get clear, get it clear for you. Let every man be fully convinced in his own heart. Let everyone be able to give a reason for the hope that is within them with meekness and fear, get it settled, get centered up. And I'll tell you what, your life is going to run a whole lot smoother. It's almost spiritually aerodynamically more correct when you have convictions in your life. Amen. Now, I know I took some risk tonight, uh, but you know what? We grow this way. I said we grow this way. Did you get anything at all out of this tonight? All right. Good deal.